Today, it's the minority mindset. That is what's going to get you to where you want to be financially. This is the Seven Figures Podcast, smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. Our guest today is Jaspreet Singh, a serial entrepreneur, founder of Minority Mindset, a large educational platform for financial education and entrepreneurship that reaches over 700,000 subscribers and followers across the globe. Jaspreet, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are pretty impressed, Jaspreet. 700,000 subscribers. That's incredible. Yeah, I think we're actually getting close to 900,000 right now. It's, it's awesome. just growing. It grows every day. It's, it's, it's a blessing, and it's crazy to see how fast we're growing. Well, I love this. I love everything about Minority Mindset. Before we get deep into it and explain it and the goal of it, I think it's really important uh, to talk about a little bit about your story, your sure. upbringing. You know, so it, it's funny because so my parents are immigrants from a state in India called Punjab. And okay. so my parents grew up seeing a lot of things like my grandparents were refugees and then my parents immigrated to America. And so my parents had to work very hard. And like most Indian parents, my parents thought that the way that their kids can become successful is by becoming a doctor. I mean, that's why <laughs> all doctors are brown or so many doctors are brown. And my parents were no different. And since I was a little kid, my parents were like, you have to become a doctor. You have to become a doctor. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I want to support my parents. I want to help them out. I want to live good. So I'll become a doctor. Now, wait a minute. So that is the stereotype, the joke, right? But you're saying that is true to life. How old are you? I am 28. I turned 28 actually the day before yesterday. And it's not just, you know, financially. Yeah. It's literally if you become a doctor, you will live a good life. Like my mom would always tell me, if you don't become a doctor, you're not going to get married and this <laughs> and that, you know. So it's, <laughs> All it's, moms uh, are the best. Yeah. So it's, it's just like it's the way of life. That's just what we're taught to believe. Okay. They were crazy about it. So in order to get into medical school, you have to take an exam called the MCAT, which most people take in the middle or end of college. And when I was in seventh grade, my parents got me an MCAT tutor to start getting me ready no. for this medical college admission test. So my parents were very serious about me becoming a doctor. Oh, yeah. You didn't have an option. No, it, it was my parents gave me two options. They said, you can either become a doctor or you can become a failure. It's your choice. Now, at this point, <laughs> a failure. At this point, did you grow up in a very middle class family or were you guys struggling or did your parents achieve you know, financial success and they wanted you to continue that? My parents made good money, but we were always financially conscious. Like my, okay. my parents stress saving. We didn't spend much money. We didn't really go on vacations. We didn't really have lavish things like that. They yeah. made money and they would spend very little and save the majority of it. Okay. That's kind of like Italians too. I feel yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. And then during high school, I became friends with a lot of DJs kind of by accident. And I started working in the wedding business. And this really opened my eyes because I was like, okay, I'm trying to make money on the side. And I couldn't tell my parents this because they would freak out if I was doing something outside of studying biology or science or math. And then I got into college and I thought everybody goes to college to study and become very successful because I had no idea what college was. And I was mind blown to see how many people were partying in college. Like, I thought Fridays were like, go to the chemistry lab and do organic chemistry reactions. 
It was crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was like, okay, I need something to do on Friday nights because I don't, I'm not really too interested in partying. Good but, you. you know, uh, I've been involved in the wedding business. I actually started hosting teen parties for kids in my high school uh, when I was in high school. So I was like, you know, why don't I take this like party business slash event planning thing and bring it to college? So I I didn't drink. I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in partying. But then I started an event planning business where I started hosting parties in college. And slowly this grew and we had contracts with pretty much every major club or venue on campus to do, you know, every Thursday parties, monthly parties. I was doing concerts, shows. And so that grew very quickly. And that really opened my eyes even more because I was like, wow, I am making good money right now and I don't have a degree. And, and you're not there, a doctor. I know without even being a doctor. And so that's when I got into real estate investing when I was I was actually studying for the MCAT. And during the same time, I was reading financial news and financial books. And every book said that wealthy people invest in real estate. And I went to my dad. I was like, Dad, I want to invest in real estate. Yeah. He was like, you're an idiot. Go study for the MCAT and then <laughs> think about something. Think about this stuff when you're done being a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I kept, I, I mean, I was stubborn. So I kept like looking at real estate and all their stuff. And uh, I took my MCAT on August 22nd. On August 23rd, I closed on my first real estate investment property when I was 19. So wow. it was, you know, that's when things really started to click. I was like, wow, the majority of people are thinking one way versus me and kind of very few people are thinking different, which is why I call the minority mindset the minority mindset because it's the mindset of thinking different than the majority of people. And this is when I started to see, okay, the majority of people are consumers. The majority of people are not investing their money. The majority of people think that there's only one path to success, but there are so many paths. And you know, my parents, like, I love them. Like, I, they're very happy with what I'm doing now, but- I was gonna ask you, have they forgiven you? They, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're very happy now. Good. But you know, it's just one of those things that they, like most people, they didn't know, you know, they were never exposed to entrepreneurship or sure. investing. Yeah, we were and all so, raised in a very traditional, hey, you have to do this first, then this, then this. Right. It, this is a totally different. This is like a new wave. You and your generation have no fear jumping into it and saying, hey, listen, you know, what? I'm just going to do it. Whereas our generation, we were a little bit more apprehensive to to dip our toe in, you know, unless we were fully sure that we knew what we were doing. And I commend yeah. you guys for doing that. And, you know, and that's one of those things where for me, I learn more by just doing a lot of people kind of follow the ready aim fire motto. I think it's funny that now I've kind of become a little bit more kind of cautious because I used to just be a doer. I used to not really think what I do. I would just do something and then think about it after. But I've always followed the ready fire aim philosophy where I shoot figure out where I screwed up and then fix it. Because if you just keep going ready, aim, 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 yeah. you're going to yeah. psych yourself out from doing whatever you want to do because there's always going to be hurdles. There's always going to be obstacles, which is why I, I do believe in doing, but now I am a little bit more cautious where sure. I think a little bit before I do something. And when you talk about finances though, it's funny because you're that way in your, your business mindset. But when you think about finances and I think it's true for you, you live by the, plan. You got to strategize your finances and err on the safe side. Exactly. And you know, that's, that's what you learn through messing up. You realize like for me, 
realizing, okay, I need a plan. <laughs> so that's <laughs> how I realize it, right? It's by making those mistakes. And now I know, okay, I need to come up with a plan for my money. I need to know how to use my money. I need to know how to invest my money smartly. Like the reason I'm able to make smart real estate investments now is because of all the mistakes that I made. And so I came up with a strategy for myself and I came up with a plan and I came up with the right team members for how we can invest in real estate in a way that's going to be profitable. And so the minority mindset, let's go there now. Let's explain this a little bit and what the goal is in your YouTube channel too. Such a great following. Thank you. So the Minority Mindset is a financial news and education company. We try to make financial education fun on our YouTube channel because most financial education I grew up learning was very, very boring. And we make financial news interesting because we want people to understand how the news affects your wallet. So we actually, we have a financial newsletter and on our newsletter, we tell you the most relevant business and financial news. And then we show you why this news affects your wallet Ah. because most people read the news and say, oh, that's cool, but not realize why this affects you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking the way you design your YouTube channel. And this is like, I mean, this is it. This is where everybody is getting their information from. So you, I'm assuming, are targeting the college age kids in, in the recent grads, right? Most of our audience is 18 to 45. So somewhere in that age, Uh, you know, I don't necessarily speak to a particular demographic. I just talk like I would talk to my friends and then YouTube kind of just shows it to whoever they think is best. But yeah, I don't we have a few videos that are catered like specifically for millennials. But we talk to I just talk and then whoever wants to listen can listen. What was the biggest mistake that you made financial advice that you can give? The biggest mistake I made was a real estate property I invested in. So I'm from the Michigan area um, and it was in Detroit. So this was my third investment property. And um, I had this contractor who I thought was licensed. I thought he was insured. And he had done two properties or renovated two properties for me. And so I thought he was good. And he was like, hey, Josh Preet, I got good idea. If you want to make uh, some more money on rentals, I got some properties in Detroit that you can look at. Uh, Just pick whatever one you want. I can get it renovated in $5,500. I'll do it in two weeks or less, and then you'll be able to rent it out and you'll make a great ROI return on your investment. I said, okay. And so I found one property. And normally when I invest in real estate, again, this was very early on, I always get a property inspection. This time, I just kind of trusted my contractor's word. Mm. I later realized that he was really pushing this because he was tight on money and he just needed something to get him ah. a check. And so I bought this property. Um, it wasn't that expensive, but I bought this property, which looked okay. Cosmetically, it didn't look that bad. It didn't need that much work. So, you know, I was like, okay, this is fine. And as soon as I hand him, I, I paid him like half of it up front. Uh, handed him the check, nothing happened. Like he just kind of ignored me. And then a few weeks go by, like he like painted a few walls. I was like, yo, what's going on, man? He's like, oh, I need some more money for supplies. So I gave him another thousand dollar check or something. And a month goes by or a month and a half go by and literally nothing was done by this time. And so then I had to bring in somebody else to start the work. And this process went on for a while. And that's when I realized that this property had so many 
issues. Like, oh, geez, you got scammed. I got scammed. The property had uh, somebody put cement down the main sewage <gasps> line up to the city. So we had to bust out the cement in the basement, redo the piping. We brought the city out to look at the property. They asked us to raise the elevation of the property. So we had to literally come in and pick this property up, which is extremely expensive. And so we had to replace the roof. We had to do, I mean, we had to redo the mechanical. We redid the plumbing inside the property. So, I mean, I expected $5,000 and I was probably like 10 times more than that to get this property fixed up. And it was just, that was the only property I ever lost money on. And it was, you know, I made a video on it on a Minority Mindset YouTube channel. It's called My Worst Real Estate Deal Ever. So um, at that point, though, when you are in over your head, and a lot of people now can relate to this, not in the real estate realm, but just being in over your head. At that point, knowing your upbringing and how you have to be conservative with your money and you have to be cautious and you have to be smart, but yet you're in over your head. How did you deal with that mentally and financially? Have you climbed out of that yet? Yeah, I've, I've, I've climbed out of it, but I mean, I don't think there's an easy way. That was probably one of the most stressful times in my life yeah. because um, I literally ran out of money. So like um, when I did this event planning business, we had like with some of these events, I would get paid in cash. And so I had like a cash reserve in my like drawer and I ran like I had no money in my bank account. Like literally I had I got two overdraft notices from my bank uh, during this property you totally yeah. did not tell your parents, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you no, I did not. I was like, I couldn't, like, I was losing, I couldn't sleep at night. I was oh, having God. like this crazy anxiety. Sure. Like, because I was like, oh my God, what am I going to Yeah. What are you going to do? I knew that if I tried to sell the property, I wouldn't be able to get much for it because we already had a city inspection. And so all the issues are out in the open. Ah. And so anybody looking to buy the property would know that this property needs a ton of work. So, you know, that's where I didn't know what to do. And it was just a slow progress. And then issue after issue kept coming up. But after that property, things really started to get better. Like I I read a lot of real estate books and every book said that every real estate investor has one bad deal. This was fine. Like I made every mistake you could imagine. I made every, you know, I found every issue, every problem that could have happened. It happened. But I will never make those mistakes again. So, so you know, it was it was painful when it happened. Looking back now, it was kind of funny. It's like, wow, I was really dumb. So your biggest takeaway from that is is what? Practical takeaway from that. Get a property inspection before you buy a property. Talk to the city officials before you buy a property. And get three contractor bids before you buy a property. This way you know exactly what needs to be done and how much it's going to cost you before you purchase the property so you know exactly what it's going to be. So for those of you who are interested in real estate, real estate intimidates me or it feels like a lot of work for me. So it's it's not really my jam. But for those of you who are interested in the real estate way of making money, that's great advice. I saw the takeaway as you always have to have a cash reserve. That is <laughs> another reason why the emergency fund is so important. Oh, yeah. I mean, I read a study just recently. The Federal Reserve did a study and they found that four out of 10 Americans don't have $400 saved up to cover an emergency. Like if they ran into a $450 emergency, they'd have to go into debt to cover this emergency. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. Sometimes you see those stories on GoFundMe, and you feel awful for some of these stories and some of these families. But they're desperate because they ignored the emergency fund, which everybody talks about. Yeah, there's some simple things that you can do to really save up. Like I say, save up $2,000 quickly because the very, 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 very minimum you need to have is $2,000. Like before you worry about investing your money or earning more or really doing anything, you need to make sure you have at least a cushion of $2,000 up to six months worth of your expenses saved up. And there are some simple things that you can do to save your $2,000 relatively quickly. All right, let's go there. First thing, I mean, if you don't have $2,000 saved up, the first thing you have to do is just cut out all your expenses. I mean, if you if you don't have $2,000 saved up, this is not the time to have four different streaming subscriptions, to be eating out for lunch, <laughs> to be worrying about what your friends are doing this weekend. You need to save $2,000 as fast as possible. Second, create a financial plan for your money. So I tell people on our YouTube channel to follow either our 75-15-10 or 50-30-20 plan. And what that means is if you're older, you have expenses, you have people relying on you financially, then 75% of your money is the maximum you should be spending. 15% of every dollar you make, so 15 cents, is the minimum you should be investing. And 10 cents out of every dollar you make, so 10% of every dollar you make, is the minimum you should be saving. Likewise, if you're a little bit younger, you don't have a bunch of financial responsibilities or expenses, then this is your time to build and you should be following our 50-30-20 plan, which says that 50% is the maximum you should be spending for every dollar you make. 30% is the minimum you should be investing and 20% is the minimum you should be saving. And so once you do this, now you have a financial plan for your money. This way, anytime you get paid, your money's gonna flow through the system and every dollar is gonna be divided up either 50, 30, 20 or 75, 15, 10. And I recommend you actually create three different bank accounts. This way you're not tempted to spend money that you shouldn't. Yeah. So create an automatic deposit or withdrawal. That way anytime you get paid, your money is gonna be automatically divided. So you know, okay, this is my spending money. This is what I should be investing. And you can use your investing money to pay down your debt because paying down your debt is an investment. And then you have your saving money, which is the money you want to save for emergencies only. Somebody gave great advice, and I follow this too, the saving, the, the money that you're pretending you don't even have doesn't even exist. Put it in a completely different institution so you yeah. don't ever see it. That's great advice. I mean, that's something you never want to have to use. I mean, if you do, that's why it's there. But exactly, you don't want to be tempted to use it. The funny thing is, you know, I talk a lot about investing on our channel because Saving in general is losing because your savings accounts pay you nothing, mm -hmm. but inflation is 3% a year. That means the price of things are, grow are growing, but your savings are not going anywhere. So then people say, but Jaspreet, why are you telling me to save $2,000 or save six months worth of expenses? Because having that peace of mind in case an emergency happens is much better than losing a few percentage of or a little bit of value on your money to inflation on your savings. That's why you have investments. That's why you have spending money. But your savings are just there to protect you and give you that peace of mind. Jaspreet, you are wise beyond your years. I love it. I love what you're doing. The Minority Mindset, you can find out more. Um, you're everywhere. What's the best way to find you and how can we follow you? You can follow us on YouTube at Minority Mindset. And you can check out our website if you're interested in our financial newsletter, theminoritymindset.com. Awesome. Making your mama proud.
even though Thank you're not. You, you so should much. put like Dr. Jespreet. You're like the doc, the financial doctor. The financial doctor. You could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll get sued if I keep saying that too much. Well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, you just yeah, have a, a lawsuit fund going on the side and then you'll be fine. <laughs> My second savings account. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Jess Breed. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Next week on the Seven Figures Podcast, I adore her so much. Jill Schlesinger will be on with us. She is from CBS News Business Analyst. She has her own radio show, Jill on Money, and her podcast, Jill on Money. Plus, every week, she's on with us on Spazano and Sandy. That's the radio show that I also host. She's going to come on, and we are going to talk about money and marriage. Some people say it's more beneficial to stay single than it is to be married. Is that true? Is it the reason why there's such a decline in marriages? Is it all because of the finances? Jill Schlesinger will give us her take on it all next week. In the meantime, you have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you next Friday. We raise a glass now and say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women.